From the technology office in the newsroom of the New York Times, this is Technophile, your guide to technology at work, home, and play. I'm Stephen Miller, and welcome to this edition of Technophile. Virus and spam attacks seem almost benign compared to some of the other online threats that are increasing in frequency. Identity theft, phishing scams, cyber-stalking, and Internet pedophiles. Identity theft alone hit nearly 10 million Americans last year, and according to the post office, costs $5 billion. Is it safe to go online? My special guest today is Marion Merritt, Internet Safety Advocate for the Symantec Corporation. Welcome, Marion. This is a new position at the company. Can you describe it? Certainly. So I've been with Symantec for about 10 years in a variety of consumer product development positions. I've been a product manager on the first consumer version of Norton Antivirus, among other things. So over the course of the last 10 years, I've really seen how the Internet has changed, how consumers are using it in new ways. Um, and that's given me some sensitivity as well as a lot of awareness of what the risks are out on the Internet and what people need to do to be safe. So in this new role, I'm really tasked with taking that message out to the public. It's less about promoting particular products and more about developing education and awareness, helping answer questions that consumers have, and really just being an advocate for consumers. What kind of things should we as parents be warning our kids about going online? You know, we spend a lot of time as parents or as educators, we talk a lot about kind of the the ugly fringe of the Internet which is the predator, the online predator. And it makes great TV, but statistically, the likelihood that your child will encounter somebody who's going to groom them, you know, and try to make contact with them offline, statistically, that's still quite low. So if you spend all your time as a parent worrying about those aspects of the internet, you're missing some of the more basic and common issues that kids deal with. An example of that is cyberbullying. Cyberbullying is just the use of technology, whether it's instant message or uh, cell phones or text, email, to do the same kind of playground bullying that we used to see when we were kids. The difference is that it's, it's a written form of communication, so it's permanent. What should parents do? What should they look out for and how should they respond? Very first thing people should think about when it comes to cyberbullying is, you know, the numbers are just so high that either your child has been victimized, and that's maybe 25% of kids that self-report some form of victimization. But they should also wonder, is my child doing the the, the bullying? You know, somebody's got to create this. So the very first thing I think parents need to do is talk to their kids about the proper forms of behavior, whether it's texting or IMing um, or email or cell phone use, what is right and what is wrong. And then you want your kids to be savvy. Make your kids educated and be aware of the situation so they can just be savvier. What should I do to make sure that my kid is safe even though she's got a MySpace page? You know, social networking is a fantastic activity, especially for adults. I mean, it enables us to, you know, find other people who like that obscure Turkish band that you like or whatever the case may be. I mean, that's pretty fantastic and it allows the internet to be sort of a smaller community. But when it comes to kids who don't have sort of the built-in filters that we as adults have, they're putting lots of personal information out there. And sometimes we just need to tell our kids exactly what does that mean? I mean, what is private information? It's more than your name. It's more than your address. It's your telephone number. It's the name of your school. It's the name of a team you like. It's anything that can be used to trace back to you. Don't try to restrict them off these sites total. Um, if they're over the age of 14, they are entitled to use these sites. And if it's popular in their school, believe me, you can make all the rules you want. 
they're going to find a way around it. From from the other standpoint, from a corporate standpoint, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but for instance, the people who run MySpace, do they bear some responsibility for monitoring some of this behavior and to say, hey, that's not really cool to put this kind of information online? I think MySpace has really become very aware of sort of their corporate responsibilities. Now, of course, they have age limits, and they've hired a new security officer who takes this extremely seriously. He's working on a number of things to help parents so that when they discover things that are inappropriate involving their kids, they have more control, even if it's not their own account, it's a friend's account. So I I believe that MySpace and the other social networking sites are really taking this seriously. They want to be friendly to consumers. They want to help out. But there's work to be done. One of the things that consumers seem to be concerned about with the explosive growth of online shopping, people are concerned about identity theft and phishing. Uh, First of all, what is phishing? Phishing, spelled with a PH, of course, that's when you get a fake email from a vendor that you know and you trust. So let me give you a specific example. Um, You might get an email from your bank. And it's going to use the bank's logo. It's going to look like the web address is the right one. It's going to have all the right legal text at the bottom. In fact, it looks 100% like it should. The only problem is it's coming from a bad guy. It's coming from a fisher, somebody who wants you to click a link in that email and give up personal information that is valuable. So using the example of a bank phishing attack, um, this email will ask for your bank account number and password. And you can certainly imagine how a criminal would benefit from having that information. So what should you look for? How do you know whether or not this is bogus or really from your bank? Phishing operates on social engineering, meaning the, the criminals out there have learned over the years some techniques that tend to get us willing to click through on those emails and do the wrong thing. And some of those things are they create a sense of urgency. So a typical phishing attack, an email will say something like, your account's in jeopardy, or there's something wrong with a recent purchase on PayPal, you know, something that needs your attention immediately. And those very elements or features should give you some concern. So if you get an email like that, the very first thing you should do, whether it's from PayPal, your bank, eBay, whomever it's from, is you should assume the worst and just delete it. If you need to go and check your account at any one of these places, type the web address in yourself. Never click a link in one of these emails because it's going to take you to the Fisher's site, and it may still look like the right place because that's how they operate. They use social engineering to trick you to giving up your private information. Is there anything that you can detect, say, from the URL that would show up that say, maybe this is not from my bank? A very savvy, very technically savvy user will certainly be able to see that it doesn't say ebay.com. It says ebays.com or some other variant. But to be honest, these bad guys are so good at what they do that I don't even recommend people start looking at the URLs because, you know, even a valid URL from eBay may not be www.ebay.com. It may be some variation because they have different servers that they're sending out emails from. The only way to be sure, the only way is to type the web address in yourself, access your account the normal way, and then see if there's an alert or a notice that you need to take action on. Should you report any of this activity to your bank or to other financial institutions? Absolutely. They are very interested in finding out who's spamming them, um, who's sending out phishing attacks. Um, you can certainly forward them to the, the 
whether it's your bank or to eBay, you can forward them. There are other agencies that are interested, like the Federal Trade Commission has a website, ftc.gov, that has some resources for consumers as well. But don't feel bad if you get these and just delete them because that's the very first and most important thing you should do. You don't have to put yourself into the, you know, the prosecution side and, and spend all your time sending these off to different agencies. Just get rid of them. Okay, what happens if you inadvertently click on and you give up this information? Ouch, what do so you you've do? given up something like your bank account. Well, the very first thing you want to do is notify whomever it is you do business with and change the account information. You can change passwords online you know, right away, but it may be too late already. These people operate on the turn of a dime and can wipe you out. So you need to notify your bank as soon as you have any inkling that you've done something you shouldn't have. And believe me, they'll work with you to resolve it. What are some of the other things the bad guys are doing? A lot of people aren't aware of what we call the bot network. You know, a bot is short for robot. And this is software that has been uh, inserted onto your computer somehow. You don't even know. You downloaded a screensaver of Scarlett Johansson and a piece of spy software came along for the ride. But what's happening to this bot software that gets installed is it, it lives on your computer and it, it does not want to be detected. So these guys, this is big business. These guys are testing it against all the security software. And once they get on your computer, it literally, it becomes what we call a zombie waiting for a command from a controller somewhere else. So what does this mean? You've got software on your computer and it's waiting for a command. This is where the phishing attacks are coming from. This is where the spam is coming from. Your computer is going to get instructions from some bad guy somewhere to send out a thousand phishing emails each night. And the numbers are going to be low enough that your ISP may not detect it. And you may not even notice it because it'll go out at hours when you're not at your computer. Now, these infections, this kind of software getting on your computer won't happen if you're using good security software. So that's really the first place we want people to, first of all, be aware of these bot networks. Um, the reason that they're out there is because people sending phishing attacks make money. And they can avoid detection if they use these networks of zombie computers kind of doing their bidding all over the world. What we want consumers to do is be aware that these bot networks exist. They're real. Um, once you get infected, it's extremely difficult to get them off your computer. Um, you can talk to your geek squad and other forms of, uh, you know, home-based security helpers. They're having a real tough time keeping up with this. But if you install internet security software on your computer to protect yourself from this sort of thing getting on in the first place, you're going to be in such a better place. It's okay to go online, but taking precautions can make for less stress and more fun and enlightenment. I'd like to thank our guest, Marion Merritt, Internet Safety Advocate for the Symantec Corporation. Thanks, Stephen. I'm Stephen Miller, and thanks for listening to this edition of Technophile. Technophile is a production of the Newsroom Technology Office of the New York Times.